Welcome to Tarot for the Wild Soul, Deep Conversations and Tarot Medicine for Your Highest Evolution. I am your host, Lindsay Mack. Thank you so much for being with me today. Happy Aquarius season. We are fully in a brand new astrological sign. The sun has moved from Capricorn to Aquarius. Um, I'm sure that most people felt that shift. I sure did. Um, in terms of the tarot, we've moved from the devil to the star. So Aquarius season is immensely magical and really powerful. It's also a tremendous time to look at um, our actions in the world, our humanitarian efforts. It's a beautiful time to be able to look at our relationship to the body. Uh, it's also timed so perfectly because we kind of launch into the year on the wings of the devil on Capricorn, um, all about movement, structure, order, what we're doing, what we're planning on, where we're putting our energy and our work. And then the star kind of takes us into the mellows and the depth of deep winter or deep summer, depending on where you are. Um, and whenever we're in real deep extreme season, the pretty much the prescription is to rest and to drop in and tune in. So it's really um, just a beautiful opportunity to tune in with what the star card means to you and um, all the goodies that it's bringing your way. And happy birthday to all my Aquarian listeners. Um, I don't have any announcements this week. Uh, I think I'm just going to jump right in to my guest. So <clears throat> my guest this week is uh, I th someone that I've wanted to have on the podcast f since I started it. And uh, we just weren't able to connect literally until now. But I wanted to have him on as one of my first guests of the year. Um, I have with me today on the podcast... Uh, Jeff Henshaw or Trash Canyon, who is the founder of the Brooklyn Fool's Tarot Journey, the creator of the Cosmic Cousins podcast, and formerly uh, the creator of Chakra Shots and Cosmic Cousins, which was a journey through the 12 signs that he co-led at, um, and he founded and co-led with Luke Simon. Uh, at Maha Rose. Um, and you may know Jeff uh, from his work on Brooklyn Fools and on his Instagram, Brooklyn Tarot. Uh, Jeff is an absolutely incredible human being. He is one of my best friends in the world and somebody that I had the honor of co-teaching with for two years uh, for the Brooklyn Fools Tarot journey. Um, Jeff is a remarkable person. He is an Aquarius as well, so this is very apt. Uh, our talk is really um, just beautiful. Uh, we spoke about his um, journey in creating the many projects that he's done, his journey through um, really healing and connecting, uh, healing um years of having panic attacks through his discovery 
of breath and mindful breath and yoga, um, how he discovered tarot, sort of um, this shift in his life from being like kind of a New York City chariot-centered professional tarot reader and teacher to someone who now um, is living a very different life in Hawaii, still no less tapped in and spiritual, but just really a beautiful example of how the tarot can move with us, grow around us, and that it can guide us to make choices that may take us out of the traditional trajectory of success, as in the Western world's definition of it. Um, But Jeff's connection with his tarot deck has never been deeper, and his connection with himself has never been deeper. But we talk about all that. We also talk about why, after four very successful years of doing Brooklyn Fools, he decided to uh, take a break. And um, it's just a beautiful episode. You know, we love each other, and he's one of my dearest friends, so it's like a love fest, but it's also just a really beautiful example. Jeff is very integral, um, deeply impeccable teacher, won't do anything that isn't really in his alignment and is ceremonial in almost everything he does. So it's a really powerful example of what um, is possible when we honor the ebbs and flows of our intuition and with our relationship with our deck, as in we might be called to give many readings per week, see people one-on-one teach and really be hustling. And then all of a sudden we might be called to Hawaii to work with sustainability and trash and permaculture, which is exactly what happened to Jeff. So I am so honored and delighted to share this. Just um, for anyone, we did have, so you will hear in the background of this episode, you will hear the rain There was a monsoon in Hawaii while we were doing this episode, so um, just enjoy that. Uh, There are sirens on my end because, of course, there are. And uh, we had to switch from Skype to phone to Skype during the interview (laughs) because, again, Skyping from New York to the jungle of Hawaii. Uh, I don't think anything will sound different in the audio, but if you notice something... Um, that's what it is. So I'm going to leave it at that. And then next week I'll catch you at our monthly medicine episode. And, um, yeah, I think that's, uh, yeah, that's it. So without further ado, I'm going to tune you into my conversation with Jeff. I hope you love it. And I hope you have a beautiful week and I will see you next time. Bye-bye. Welcome to Tarot for the Wild Soul, Deep Conversations and Tarot Medicine for Your Highest Evolution. My guest today is somebody who I love and cherish and is one of my dearest friends and certainly one of my absolute closest and most, um, there's such a bond of deep support between us in terms of tarot and I had the honor of teaching with him for two years. I have with me today Jeff Hinshaw, a.k.a. Trash Canyon, creator and founder of Brooklyn Fools, 
and Cosmic Cousins podcast. Welcome. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> it's good. Yeah, Jeff is live with us from Hawaii. And um, if y'all can hear noise, it's they have a beautiful rainstorm there today. Which it's true. I you love. might hear it on top of my tent. I'm sitting in it right now. <laughs> on top of my tent. So Jeff is, um, I love, I kind of want to start. So for anyone listening to this, I just actually, that what you just heard was take two of my podcast recording because I was sort of going through my, my intro of love for Jeff and mentioned his name and then stopped and went, wait, fuck, you have another name, <laughs> which is now Trash Canyon, which comes from this really beautiful place. And um, Jeff, you've always been someone since I've known you who um, there's been real depth for you in the exploration of names, like of identity and um, non-identity and like uh, you know, we've been friends for a long time, like deep friends and, um, have taught together for two years. And I would love for you to talk about the name Trash Canyon, um, has been birthed out of something really special. And we're kind of going out of, or we're not starting technically with tarot, but this show is about all kinds of things. So yeah, I just sort of wanted to know if there was anything you wanted to share about your shift from, you know, you're still going by Jeff Henshaw, but your shift from Jeff Henshaw to this deep soul name, Trash Canyon. Yeah, um, it drives my mother crazy. This is not the first time in my life that I've changed my name. I've gone by many other names, um, including Fox for a while. And I remember. I, I've changed the spelling of my name. And I think it is related to tarot in a lot of ways, but I've just always like wanted to immerse my thing, myself in everything that I do. And mm -hmm. so when I came to Hawaii, um, it's a bit like the fool. So I'm like, I'm, I'm picturing the fool as an image here, but like, it's like releasing everything and releasing the names that we have. And that's one of the practices I do when I work with a fool is, um, I say, I am that I am nothing. I'm free from that. So, um, when I've practiced with my name, it's like what parts of me are, um, allowed to expand when I release the name that I was birthed with and yeah. then choose a new name and what sort of energy does that call in? So, um, to sum it up, I came to Hawaii and the community that I live in, they encourage you to change your name if, if that like calls to you. And so of course, if I give, if you give me an inch, I'm going to take a mile. So I was <laughs> like, of course I'm going to change my name. So <laughs> Canyon came to me and then, um, I, I accepted a job as waste management here. And so it just kind of became um, a running joke that my nickname was Trash Can Yen. And um, <laughs> so there was a project runway here and I entered into it and I ended up, I'm the reigning champion of Project Runway at Kalani. I made yes. a couture gown out of 
trash bags and I had like I made this Victorian wig out of like wires that I found out at the trash and so that was the first time that I like really allowed myself to step into this role as Trash Canyon and so um, it's going by this name has actually inspired new projects in my life and it allows me to be a little bit more playful and allows my shadow to come out and so I'm just having fun with it and uh, it's the name of my project for 2018 so yeah that's that but I still go by Jeff and um you know, my my nephew actually thinks it's hilarious that uh, I go by trash now, and he calls me Uncle Trash, and he wants to be a trash man now. So <laughs> my brother's like a little like confused by all of it, but I'm into you know. it. Mm, that's beautiful. Thank, and I feel like um, everything you just said made me smile for a few different reasons, and one of them is that. I, you know, you mentioned the fool and that made me smile even more because I feel like you are in so many ways, um, a very powerful living embodiment of that energy. You're an Aquarius. Um, you are, you have a bindle tattooed on your bicep. You are, um, you have shifted and changed and allowed yourself to, um, flow and honor all different kinds of aspects of your being as soul in human carnation in this lifetime. Like since I've known you, you've had so many, um, passions, interests, like your hair has been different. And I think that that's such a beautiful part of you and what you offer. And, uh, it's, I think also a beautiful part of how you use the tarot because, through your lived experience, your knowledge and what you share about tarot is always shifting and changing with you. So how have you found, if at all, um, oh, I love hearing the rain like that. Um, how have you found it all? How has your journey and your trajectory and your relationship with the tarot changed, um, kind of by honoring these identities and these names that you really feel and embody. And like, you're such a magical being so committed to service. And I truly feel like you've taken on the energies of these kind of archetypes and names and they've left you with gifts and then you've moved forward and then you'll receive from another. So have you... Where has your relationship with tarot ebbed and flowed from all the different um, kind of seas that you've sailed in your life and by the willingness to kind of honor the identity that you're exploring in the moment of your life? Right. Yeah. I mean, wow, there's so much to talk about here. My relationship to tarot has has changed so much. I like think about when I was like 16 and was first reading tarot to now, now I'm almost 31. Um, but I would say right now my relationship to tarot and I actually asked my deck this question earlier this week, I would just like was shuffling and, um, tuning into like, cause I don't use my deck, uh, as nearly as often. I mean, when I was in New York, I was looking at it all day, every day for like a few years. And so now I, I probably sit down with my deck maybe like once a week. Mm. And, um, so I was tuning in and I was saying, um, how am I meant to use you now? Like what, what is our relationship? And before I even pulled the car card, I like, 
I felt already that I was going to be the high priestess. And then, lo and behold, I flipped the card, and there it was. It was a high priestess. Uh-huh. Uh, so right now, uh, the tarot is really a practice for me to come back home to to my deeper knowings. And um, I think that the high priestess is holding the scroll of knowledge, and she's containing all of this wisdom. And uh, but she, she, in a way, keeps it to herself. And because of that, it allows her to to be in alignment with her sense of truth. So, um, and that's been kind of the switch for me more towards astrology, um, that the tarot is, is really, really sacred for me right now. And I, I do share it with, with friends, um, if it, if it happens, but I don't schedule readings anymore. Like I, if someone asks me for a reading, I, I say, no, I, it's more like in the moment it has to feel right. Like if someone comes over and like, we're like, just having a conversation and drinking tea and something's coming up for them in their life, then it's like I reach over and I, I grab the, the deck. And mm-hmm. um, that that's how the tool is for me now that it's um, it's it's just one of my many tools I have. And, and I love that I have it because I've like, I've completely committed to it and immersed myself in it. So like, it's, mm. it will always be a part of me. Like when you, you know, the saying, like you never forget how to ride a bike. That's what it's like for me. And it feels much more deeper for me now. And I, I, I like with the high priestess as a symbol for that. It's like, I know when the right time is for me to pick up the cards now. And sometimes it's a few times a week. Sometimes it's maybe just like once a month. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and it is, it is changing for me. And so it's cool to, to be evolving with it and um, also see other people's practices change. And I think it's important for anyone that's listening to this, that um, to not really put yourself in a box with your practice and allow it to just ebb and flow. And um, I think for a minute there, I was really like holding on to it. Probably the last year I was in New York, just being like, no, tarot's my thing. And like, this is what I'm doing. And it's even my Instagram handle, Brooklyn Tarot. Like, what am I going to do? Like, I don't want to be looking at it all day, every day. And so, um, yeah, allowing for room for flexibility and uh, receptivity and uh, yeah. yeah. Mm. Oh, that's so, I love that you kind of offered that out to other people, because I also think you mentioned something really powerful, which was that and I'm sort of going to add in a few details, like you moved to Hawaii in June, in July, right? August, mm-hmm. July? July, um, it's been six months. Yeah. Wow. Happy anniversary. Um, <laughs> you You moved to Hawaii, uh, to the big island of Hawaii in July, and did so through a series of very powerful, very spiralic events, but willingly chose to walk in a direction, walk in a different direction away from a practice in New York that was really thriving with students and one-on-ones and doing Brooklyn Fools at Maha Rose. And I personally really um, love appreciate, understand, and identify with such a leap of faith. But I think that sharing that is profoundly important for people who are maybe working as tarot readers um, or trying to and are getting 
burned out or feeling a call to shift their lives in some way, but are afraid to do so. And, um, I've always thought of you, although you are tarot reader as just, again, somebody who is like a teacher, like blood and bone, a teacher devoted to be of service as a teacher. Um, what was it like for you? Because really what I'm hearing you say, and this is a bit long, but your high priestess relationship with the tarot came about by you being willing to kind of take a leap of faith, quote, away from it, like away from our standard, like magician idea of what it is to be like a tarot reader. And I would love for you to share for anybody who maybe is feeling that call in their heart to, um, redefine or, um, make intimate in a different way, their relationship with tarot, like where, how was that journey for you? Yeah, I, that's a really good question. I think that the first thing that's coming to mind is if things happen in your life, like synchronicities, for instance, that, um, for instance, it's been a long time coming. I don't know if you remember before we went to the Dolly Parton concert, I like (laughs) threw my tarot deck away in the trash. I literally do remember that. And By I the was way, so what devastated. Synchronicity <laughs> trash. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Mind blown. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to unpack that one later. But um, yeah, like I think there were all these like clues along the way that was like, hello, like just put your deck down for a bit. And it was so painful for me to do that because I put blood, sweat, and tears into the Brooklyn Fools. And I just, it was my everything. And it really, it reminded me of the year cards. Um, and it was cool to hear you say that, uh, you see me as a teacher and no matter what I do, it's like, I'm a teacher and my, my birth card is the Hierophant. So I do have that like aspect, like to meditate on always. And, um, I was just kind of thinking back, like, so it felt like getting out of my chariot, which is something that, uh, you've probably heard on Lindsay's show before, but moving from the chariot to strength, um, that's what it's felt like for me over this past year. So it's, it was really, um, uncomfortable for me to, to leave everything that I had set up so beautifully. And, um, this, this past year, 2017 was my strength year. And the year before that, 2016 was a chariot year. And the year before that was right. The, the lovers. And then yeah, the year that lovers. I founded the Brooklyn fools was the Herophant year. So like, I've been looking back at my year cards now and really being like, uh, seeing how it's unfolding. But yeah, I think it was moving from chariot to strength. So, um, yeah, I don't know. What was the question again? <laughs> how, um, <laughs> you made, how you made the leap of faith to shift your relationship in your, with your deck professionally because of a call in your heart. So right. I yeah. felt like, it, yeah, it was a, a lot of things happening. So Saturn return was happening for me at that time too. And I think that I kind of like got pushed out because I had like things happen in my living situation. Uh, and it was just like thing after thing after thing kept lining up in my life where it was clear that it was time for me to, to do something new. And whether that was like something that was external or it was something internal, I don't know. There may not be too much difference there, but, um, pay attention to the signs. If it, it, especially I bring it back to the body. If it's like, 
if you're feeling like a tightness in your body when you're you're practicing with the tarot, then uh, maybe it's not time for you to use the cards or, you know. And I also think another thing to say and mention about that is the culture that we have in the West is very, like, ambitious. And um, if you're, like, wanting to, like, really strive towards being a tarot reader or um, having a tarot practice, it it comes over time and to just be patient with it. And, um, I think that I might've been like my Mars and Aries ass was kind of like, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. So coming to Hawaii has like really softened me in a lot of ways. And, um, it is a life's practice and tarot will always be a part of that. Mm-hmm. And, and knowing that I can set it down for a bit and then pick it back up. So that goes for anyone. If, if this is your vocabulary and it resonates with you, just know that and like own that and like know that mm. the learning is it's part of the journey and uh, to just have fun with it. I think maybe I was taking it a little bit seriously. And so um, I'm learning how to play again. And I didn't know that that was mm. um, on the menu for me at this time, but I'm definitely learning how to be more playful with my deck as well and intuitive. That's so beautiful. Thank you again for sharing that. And I so resonate with what you're talking about as even though I'm still living in New York, I'm kind of going through my own chariot moment because that New York city is such a chariot city. It's like, takes a lot of work as you very well know, to step away from structures that like look so good on the outside to pursue um, more of line two energy, which is like complete ego work and, you know, like really diving deeply into archetypes that are not as fun and as fancy and as glittery, but are ultimately why we're here. So it's a powerful thing to hear you talk about that. Um, let's back up for a second. So you mentioned the body. Um, like I said in our intro that we'll be preceding this podcast, um, one of your most passionate specializations, like there's so much that I want to talk to you about. I want to talk about how you got your first deck and the journey of you, um, creating the Brooklyn fools, but the, um, kind of where I want to start, uh, where I feel called to start is chakras. So you are somebody who, um, you've worked with Anadea Judith, you have trained with her, you have a system of working with the tarot through the lens of the chakra system that is so profound and unique. Um, you had an offering called chakra shots that was exquisite when you were in New York and I'm sure you'll do it again someday when it feels right, if it feels right. But I was curious if you could speak a little bit about your journey in beginning to see the correlation between the chakra system and the tarot. Yeah, definitely. I really utilize the chakra system with the court cards um, mm. I, with any of the cards, I have found that it's, you know, really beneficial to embody them. And especially because the court cards are an invitation to step up into 
uh, living embodiments of them. Often when they show up in a reading, that's how I, I will interpret them. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, like I've spent time and maybe I'll pull a card now and see if a court card shows up. Um, oh, I just got the world. Uh, so, Ooh, child. Oh, <laughs> so <laughs> I got the Knight of Cups here. So for me, <gasps> yeah, let's talk um, about it. Yeah. So the Knight of Cups night uh, for me uh, is the solar plexus. And so, cause nights are about, it's like outward energy in the world. And there's, um, the solar plexus is the, the fire center. So you can equate it. Do you use night as fire? I don't, but that's fine. It's, it, it's okay. all right. It's all correct. But yeah, I want people I think, to, and I always say that when I teach, like, it's all correct. You know what I mean? It's whatever works for you. And exactly. so, I, and so for me, I use knights are fire and, mm-hmm. um, Makes total sense. and cups are water. So for me, mm-hmm. when I'm tuning into the knight of cups, um, and this is just coming from a practice of the chakra system, I'll breathe into the solar plexus and I'll say night. And then as I exhale, you can either use the heart or the sacral for, um, the cups suit. Uh, and it's whichever one's resonating with you at that time, whatever you might be working with. And so we can use uh, the heart. So it's like you breathe into the solar plexus night, and then you exhale out of the heart cups. And so, and then you would spend like, I don't know, 10 minutes in meditation, just breathing into the solar plexus and then exhaling out of the heart chakra. And so um, right now, me just talking about it, it, it's easy to intellectualize about that, but it's actually the experience of feeling it in your body. And so, uh, the nights are going out in the world. It's a very solar plexus, ambitious energy. And then the cups, mm-hmm. uh, offer us sexuality. They offer us love and emotion. So, um, I can like really feel it in my body and, um, I encourage you. So like if you were doing, uh, the night of pentacles, it'd be breathing into the solar plexus and then exhaling out of the root chakra. And so that is going to energetically, feel very different. And so, um, when I, when I pull a court card, sometimes I'll offer that to someone I'm sitting down with, or I'll offer it to myself so I can take a moment to, to feel it in my body because I find tarot is such a powerful practice because it is a tool for the third eye. And if you're interested in the tarot, it's probably because you, your third eye is one of your power centers as I like to call it. And so the third eye, when it's opened and aligned is very intuitive. It's very imaginative. It loves archetypes. It loves symbols. And so, uh, but the third eye, if it's activated too much, it can, uh, transform into, uh, anxiety or, uh, mm-hmm. even delusion or like overthinking. And I, that's something that I'm still like working with in, uh, in my own practice. And also when I'm teaching people is how can I help people get out of their third eyes or get out of their head for just a moment? Because if you're drawn to this practice, your third eye is going to be like hype already. So let's bring it down into the body. And so the Knight of cups there, it's like, okay, I'm feeling it in my body. And as you feel it into your body, when you're breathing into the chakra systems, you open up all of your chakras so that you can then become a channel. And so then you can then receive the messages that you're meant to receive in that time. And so the Knight of cups for me right now, and I am placing one hand on my solar plexus, one hand on my heart. It's reminding me that, uh, in this, uh, conversation I'm having with you, it's really important for me to just bring it back into my heart and that it's the, 
the reason that we're connecting right now is much more a communion. It's not, it doesn't have to be so intellectual, which sometimes mm. I make it, which is like, you know, I'm an Aquarius air sign. I'm probably more mm. like the Knight of Swords than the Knight of Cups. Although we have all of these court cards like living in us and we, we have access to them so we can utilize the cards to uh, awaken certain aspects of herself when we need to call upon them. So uh, I thought it was cool to see the world and the Knight of Cups here because it's really reminding me to to soften and uh, mm. to uh, bring it back into the heart. Wow. I'm so shifted by you even. See, I thank you. And um, I'm so shifted by even you just sharing that because it's such evidence and practice of how you, your unique flavor with the tarot shines so brightly, like really bringing it into the body, um, allowing things to be ceremonial, allowing things to um, be a meditation and an opportunity to drop in. you're such a ceremonial person. Like, I think you have such ritual to you and just even hearing that is so beautiful. Um, thank you for offering that rich example. It's such a gift to anyone listening. Um, what, um, so this is sort of a, like a right turn and then a left turn because it's still sort of related to chakras, but, um, I know that for many years you suffered panic attacks that were extremely debilitating. Um, and yoga. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and yoga and meditation were the tools that assisted you in essentially breathing through the panic and finding yourself on the other side. Um, what were, is that sort of the same galaxy as the chakra system to you like did you find a lot of expansion and transformation and healing from panic um and tools to to soothe your nervous system within that within working with the chakras absolutely it's if it wasn't for my understanding of the chakra system i wouldn't be like even here today there's i mean i was even there were times where i was like taken uh, to the hospital uh and um to the psych ward when i was like in high school and college because i just like could i couldn't keep it together like i i thought i was dying i i was hearing voices i um and really what was going on it was it was like my third eye was just like uh shot out and i um I didn't have any tools to bring it into the body. And so there, there's, you know, when your third eye is in excess, it, it can be because there's a block somewhere else. So if one chakra is in excess, then it could be an indicator. For instance, for me, like growing up gay in the South, that could be like a block to the heart chakra because I didn't feel like I belonged. I didn't feel like mm-hmm. I connected to other people. So if there's a block in one chakra, then the energy can move to another one. And it's normally going to go to the one that is uh, one of your gifts. And so, um, panic attacks are associated with excess in the third eye and, um, having that understanding, like for instance, like when I, I finally made my, I went to all kinds of doctors and, uh, cause I had like debilitating stomach pains to the point I couldn't even stand up. And finally, after like years of like 
um, going to all kinds of different um, people. I found an acupuncturist, and she literally was like, have you tried breathing into your stomach? And I was like, what? And it was like, it seems so simple now, but um, that's not something that I was taught growing up for Mm -hmm. sure not. And um, so now to have this understanding of, oh, I can not only breathe into my stomach, but I can breathe into my pineal gland. I can breathe into my throat. I can breathe into my anus, like all these different things. And Mm -hmm. when I breathe into my reproductive organs, I awaken something within me. And it's sort of like... um, this is our tool and no one can ever take it away from us. And so the chakra system is, is so valuable because it's like tarot is an amazing tool to have. But at the end of the day, like if you don't have your tarot deck, what you going to do, you know? So, but like we always have our breath. We always have access to tuning into our different chakra centers. And I work with the seven chakra centers, but there's also thousands of chakras all over our bodies, which Mm -hmm. would be the nadis. And so, um, yeah, I, it, the, ch- the chakra system uh, is such a powerful lens for understanding uh, my own gifts. And if it wasn't for them, I would have never had the confidence to pick up my tarot deck again because I always knew that I was like a little off and weird and like had like my own ideas and um, I had imaginary friends and all these things. And they sort of gotten got like shut out over the years because Mm -hmm. I just wanted to fit in. And so I, I put my tarot deck away when I realized that, um, it wasn't like cool. I was, and now it's so cool, which is amazing to see the transformation that tarot's made just in the last 15 or so years, um, through, through like social media and through, uh, this really, this Pluto and Scorpio generation that's coming up and transforming our relationship to occult studies. So, Mm. um, yeah, the chakra system. I could talk about it all day. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing that. I just know that this is bringing so much medicine to everyone listening. Um, so Pluto and Scorpio, let's shift over. You are an incredible, um, you use astrology in such, uh, just soul astrologer, incredibly gifted gave me one of the best readings I've ever had. Um, you, your whole podcast, Cosmic Cousins is all about, um, our astrological transits and the way that you explore them, talk about them is magnificent and completely your own. Um, I would love if you feel called for, uh, to talk about Pluto and Scorpio because I don't know that everyone knows about that. I've talked about that a little, but not as um, magnificently (laughs) as you probably will. And I think it gives people so much um, awareness about what's going on and also um, offers people a connection to the judgment card. So if you feel called... um, how do you yeah. see, yeah, like what, are there any words that you might have for people around Pluto and Scorpio and what that means? Absolutely. Um, so if you're new to astrology, Pluto is 
it's the planet of transformation and it's the ruling planet of Scorpio. So if, if you're familiar with Scorpio energy, that could kind of lend you into a little bit of Pluto's energy. But so Pluto is, it's the slowest moving planet and it takes about 248 years to go around the sun. So when it moves through a sign, it takes a long ass time. It takes anywhere from 15 to like 45 years. And so it's the generational planet. So um, if you were born anywhere from like 1983 to 1995, that makes you a Pluto and Scorpio. And so Pluto being in Scorpio, it's dignified because Pluto rules over Scorpio. So it gives like an, it intensifies it. And so since we're talking about the tarot too, and Lindsay just said, you can use the judgment card as a symbol for Pluto. And you can also, and which is cool because it's a generational planet, right? It's what mm-hmm. we are here to transform as a collective here. And so the judgment card offers us a really nice meditation on that because it more times than not's going to have like a family on there. And so it kind of lends it this like generation uh, component to it. But you can then take death card out, which is Scorpio. So there is that meditation for anyone that was born during the years that I just mentioned. Uh, so, um, yeah, so Pluto and Scorpio, and there's, there's two things. There's personality astrology and there's soul-centered astrology. Personality-centered astrology, Pluto would rule over like compulsions, things that we get obsessed with. And so that could be obsessed with sex, obsessed with death, obsessed with like taboo things and drugs. And, uh, and it can show like Pluto is also a planet that can show where we might have some sort of addictions. And so for Pluto, Buddha, and Scorpio, uh, this generation is said to be the dark night of the soul. And we're more prone to depression and anxiety and possibly because maybe that's we're more psychically in tune than uh, other people. And so, um, but on the soul centered level, it's like, we're here to embody the Phoenix and to, uh, transform darkness into light and to, uh, be like the Eagle soaring. So, uh, Pluto and Scorpio generation is here to, um, one, if we're looking at the cards to be a meditation, to transform our relationship to death, to transform our relationship to darkness and to the shadow realms. And so, um, when I, when I mentioned Pluto and Scorpio, that's, that's, that's what I was meaning that, uh, a lot of us have probably a tendency towards third eye things Mm -hmm. and also towards, towards the tarot and things like that. So, um, yeah, but each generation is different. Like Pluto and Libra would have been the generation before, and, uh, they're here to transform our relationship to, um, to justice. And that's would be Libra in its highest form. Uh, And, those generations are more likely to bring about like a sense of balance and peace. And then Pluto and Sagittarius, I call them generation selfie. They're like uh, little firecrackers. And they, they just like, really understand. are. I love it. I'm like connecting with more and more. Cause they're now like, I don't know, like 21, 20, 19. And, um, they're teaching us so much. Sagittarius is expanding our minds and is building bridges mm-hmm. between other cultures. And a lot of people in Pluto and Sagittarius, I also think like kind of have left the realms of sexuality and they're now like, yeah, I'm they, I go by they, that's my preferred gender pronoun. And like, there's like no thought about it. It's like, whereas <laughs> like previous generations might be more like, um, still feeling that out. And that's definitely something that they're transforming. And now Pluto's in Capricorn, which, uh, Pluto went into Capricorn when Obama was elected in 2008 and will stay in there until 2024. And that represents transformation in government and also in foundations and in our relationship to earth. And so, um, the babies that are incarnating right now are here to, uh, be the generation of the new order. And they're going to be the ones that like 
set up our new system that uh, may or may not be crumbling before our very eyes. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, you're amazing. I miss you. <laughs> I miss you, too. It's so nice oh. to, to chat with you about tarot again. I know. Well, you know, for anyone who I mean, I mentioned this, I mentioned this in the intro, but Jeff, I had the honor of teaching, co-teaching Brooklyn Fools with you for two years. And I mean, that it was one of the best experiences of my life. But one of the best parts about it was getting to hear your knowledge because <clears throat> and I feel like I don't really get the chance to discuss this as often as I would like these days because it's just not coming up. But um, I, you know, there's that was such a magnificent experience for several reasons, but one of was how consistently supportive, respectful, um, and open our relationship was that even when we felt differently about a card or about like the ruling of a court card, that there was always such curiosity and, um, like an honoring that, and I, because that respect was always there, it created, um, such a strong container to be, I think, constantly inspired by one another and always learning from one another. And I'm realizing how much I miss that. Like I'm getting a little emotion because that was so wonderful in, you know, I guess, you deal with what you're surrounded by, but in general, tarot can be, um, you can encounter some, some competitive energies. And that was just such a healing experience for me being able to teach with you like that. And I love hearing you speak, um, about your zones of genius. Now it's just beautiful. Likewise, I'm, I was tearing up a little bit too, when you were talking and it was kind of like putting me right back into like, Maha Rose and back yeah. into like uh, when we would like set up the space and oh. clear it out and um, yeah we, 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 made, we made a lot of magic and it was it's, it's always going to be really close to my heart and, yeah same yeah it's uh-huh. beautiful oh uh, yeah we'd hang out after yeah we'd be oh, laying down on the I'd floor you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'd drive you home or to the train which, by the way, car. if you have not been in a car with Lindsay Mack, she is an Aries through and through. She <laughs> is so good at driving, and she'll, like, whip the car into any, like, spot. She's so good at parallel parking. And, oh, my God. Um, you definitely see her New York side come out behind the car. That's behind the wheel. That's for sure. Of course. I mean, I'm from New Jersey, so it's, like, that's hard to hide. You know, that'll come out really fast in a car. It really will. I love that it's like on recording forever as you saying to the public that I'm a good driver. I really appreciate that. (laughs) Um, It's true. Thank you. And we also drove to North Carolina together. That's true. Arts of Virginia. Oh, to Virginia. That's right. I drove to North Carolina. That was so much fun. Um, So speaking of Brooklyn Fools... Um, do you feel open to talk about that, your experience creating that? 
Definitely. I think it would be cool for me to talk about it. I haven't talked about it in some time. Yeah. So as people know, and you, you may have known before this podcast, Jeff is the creator, founder of Brooklyn Fools. Um, what is the official name of it? It's Brooklyn Fools Tarot X. What is the last word? Um, Brooklyn Fool's Tarot Journey? Yeah, okay. I don't know why I forgot Journey. It's, it's insane. So <laughs> I was like, Tarot Collective Community? That was so weird. I refused to cut that out. So Jeff is the founder of Brooklyn Fool's Tarot Journey and conducted it um, the Fool Year, the Magician Year, the High Priestess Year, and the Empress Year. And I co-taught with you during High Priestess Empress year. And the Emperor year is this year, which is that we're not technically doing it in person, but we are. Right. Because it continues to live. Um, where, and, it, and Brooklyn Fools um, is an absolutely magnificent um the tarot readers that have come out of that are full time or if they're not are using tarot, you don't need to be full time for it to be a magnificent experience. But, um, so many, um, incredible, um, teachers, healers, tarot readers have come out of Brooklyn fools. And, um, yeah. How did you, let's just start at the beginning. That's just, how was Brooklyn Fools Tarot Journey birthed? Brooklyn Fools is birthed out of the desire to learn it. And the thing is, is like I was tired of reading books that didn't resonate with me and I knew that there was magic in it. So um, it really started, I'm really great at organizing things and creating syllabuses. And so when I first moved to New York City, I was going to go to acupuncture school. That's why I moved to New York, because acupuncture, as I said earlier, like transformed my life. And so but when I got there, I was like, no, I need to like ground in first. And so I gave myself permission to take a year off. And so what I did is I that September as Virgo season rolled around, I was feeling the bug to like start studying again. So I made myself a syllabus for tarot and for acupuncture and for astrology and so what i and yoga i like i had four classes i was taking and i signed myself uh projects and books that i had to read and like i had a i created a syllabus for each one of these four classes I love it and what i found was that the tarot was the one that like i was the most excited to get back to and the more practical side of me was like okay but this isn't like how you're going to make money. Like you're going to be a, a Chinese doctor. You're going to be an acupuncturist, but like I wasn't as drawn to the material. So I just kind of trusted that calling. And then, so I did that, that whole first semester, we could say of like September to like uh, December. And then as December rolled around, I was like, you know what? Like I need to be with people if I'm going to do this. So I was sort of keeping like a Rolodex of people in my mind that I had met throughout the last like six months prior. And one of them was Bakara. I had met Bakara. She had mentioned tarot. I didn't even know who she was though. I just remembered her name. And then there were a few other people, like I met this uh, character named Baxton who uh, read the alchemical symbols of people's names in Washington Square Park. And I, mm. I got his card when he read the name. And there was just a collection of all these magical people that I was like, it would be so cool to like, 
get together and like fully immerse ourselves into these archetypes and create a ritual around it. And so it was birthed out of this desire to connect with the community. It was also a desire to learn from embodied experience and also to to create conversation and um so i really don't know if it was my idea necessarily i think it was a part of the collective conscious at that time because um also there was the tarot society which is in bushwick Mm -hmm. uh was founded in january of 2013 as well and so i think it was definitely something that uh uh i was available for because i am really good at organizing things and holding space but it feels like otherworldly to me like it wasn't like i created it like it it was like you know like when you're giving birth to something it's not just coming from you it's coming there it's like this like uh spirit is incarnating here on earth and so brooklyn Mm -hmm. fools really like was like living and breathing and it transformed over time too it started out like the first gathering was the fool's gathering of course because it goes in order of the major arcana and i remember i was living in a four-bedroom apartment my three roommates at the time were like not into this sort of thing like we didn't have any altars in the house and if they were altars it was probably like pbrs and like cigarettes like everywhere and so i had like it was at that time it was like 16 people coming over to my tiny bedroom and i had to move my mattress out of my bedroom to create enough space for everyone to sit and that was the first gathering the first fool's gathering was in my bedroom and then um i was like blown away by everyone that showed up and um it just sort of happened that the next time we met we were like we should all bring an item to the magician and so that's when Mm -hmm. the altar building started and uh, then the high priestess gathering um I really wanted to lead people in a meditation and then so all these and like also do like a cleanse with water so it sort of like started building upon one another and like people kept bringing their ideas and their their gifts to the table and uh, it ended up being 21 of us and we would gather every week on Tuesdays and um, we would move around to different locations and so like the Herifont gathering um, Baxton the character that I was telling you about was also the organist at a church in Greenpoint so we got to go and gather in the church for the Herifont gathering and one of the Mm -hmm. Lutheran ministers sat in with us as our fool for the night and so each week we had a different person that was the fool so at the lovers gathering Kara actually brought her boyfriend at the time was our fool for the night and then um, each week it was something different so the hermit gathering we met at the ashram in the west village and uh, one of the swamis that lived there since the 70s was our hermit fool for the night and so it's it was a way for us to create community and um, learn from different practices I know like by gathering at a church brought up a lot for people uh, because most of the people in the group were never going to step foot in a church ever again so it was like by fully immersing ourselves in these cards uh it brought up a lot of healing and then that transformed over time too and then it became um much more necessary for it to be more like um deeper transformation could occur and um the first year felt very foolish and it was kind of all over the place and i don't know how much healing occurred but a lot of self-discovery occurred during that time (laughs) Yeah. Mm, so, yeah. It's beautiful. Uh, and... Yeah. And so I, I had this dream to keep it going and to like 
I wanted to do like the emperor year and then go all the way to the world year, but, um, and maybe it will still happen, but right now it's on pause or maybe this is my emperor year about, um, coming back to myself. So I don't know. The story is still being written. Well, you know, another thing that I think is really powerful is that, you know, your emperor year, or I'm sorry, your magician year shifted and changed and you co-led that with Bakara and, um, Bakara is very much, I think, just a very magician archetype. And um, the energy of it was a lot more structured. You guys were doing it um, sort of in different places. And then um, High Priestess Year and Empress Year, again, you know, we did that together. And that they became more and more structured through the year, Um through the years and you like you are the high priestess and the empress you're like both of them so like and to to see for me to look back at it and be like wow this is really cool to see the way that these archetypes are like um playing out and Um, you are the fool like when i tell people like oh if you want to meet a living embodiment of the fool it's my friend trash canyon like literally it's you like you look like the fool it's it makes me happy to gaze upon the fool as it reminds me of you, you're an Aquarius, the fool's Aquarius, like Uranus, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just all correct. And um, it's amazing. All I need is how, my little white dog. <laughs> all you need is your little white dog. You got your bindle. It is amazing how people truly like are these archetypes. Like the, we, we're all of them, right? But there are people that we know who really fit at least one, you know? And, um, which one would that be for you? I mean, like, which one do I feel like? Mm -hmm. I do feel like high priestess a lot because, Mm -hmm. um, I don't fancy myself like her in the way that I think I know everything, but that's the way I operate. Like I'm, even though I'm kind of out in the world, I have a podcast, whatever, like I am such an internally directed person that it's sometimes I can't really go out until I've come in. So that for that reason alone, um, my directional operating system is like hers. Um, And I feel a lot of, um, synchronicity with that. Beautiful. Yeah. And you feel like the fool, right? You like know that <laughs> you like, I think, I think we, I think we've talked about this before and this, I don't know if you ever brought it up on the show, but the two of cups, Oh, is... it's like, yeah, it, I have mentioned the two of, I've never mentioned it on the show, but if I have mentioned your, brilliant and mind-blowing observation of it always crediting you so i if you want to share it i think people will love it well if you look at the fool card and the high priestess this is probably for the rider weight are the pamela smith's uh uh centennial tarot deck um but uh, the two of cups it looks like the high priestess and the fool are coming together and i think it's it's very aligned with like us teaming up 
for yeah. the fools because I think that they both for the fool to commit to someone else like in in like an emotional capacity is is quite challenging for the fool because he wants to be free mm -hmm. and wants to uh, be spontaneous and for the high priestess to open herself up in a way that is emotionally vulnerable is also a challenge for her so it's equally challenging for these two uh, to uh, step outside of themselves and to commit themselves to someone else and we see there the healing that comes from it and so the two of cups it can be about relationships but it can also be about two sides of yourself coming together and um, I think working with you you definitely there were times where you're like well maybe it's not an alignment this year to like have the tower gathering at the top of a building you know mm. <laughs> and I was like yeah like every every time you ever made a suggestion it was always done with respect and was very gentle and it feels like and when i think of the two of cups i think the fools reaching out with his hand like uh softly are, are the uh the person on the right whoever that is it doesn't have to be the fool and there's like mm -hmm. a gentleness between their interaction and it it seems like a mutual respect that's happening and so um this is this is how the tarot works i think it's because that's my story with the card. And so when I'm when I pull that card, I think about my relationship with Lindsay yeah. or I think about the high priestess and the fool coming together. And so that acts as like a and Lindsay was on my show Cosmic Cousins a few weeks ago and she said something that was really, really cool and profound and it was the first time that um, she'd ever put voice to something that I had done in my own practice but when I write horoscopes or when she writes terascopes, Lindsay shared that she'll tune into like if she's writing about Leos, uh, a Leo might pop up in her head and she'll tune into that energy of the Leo and I think the cards are similar like when I pull like the Two of Cups I might tune into the energy that I felt when I've looked at it throughout my lifetime and throughout my journey with the tarot and so um that's why immersing yourself in the cards is uh is really really important and mm -hmm. you may hear it's starting to really come down here it's like <laughs> monsooning outside now so <laughs> it's so beautiful i love hearing it um yeah wow thank you for that and i i've always that changed my view on two of cups forever i mean it's so beautiful. And now it just makes me think of you, which is makes me extra happy. Um, speaking of cosmic cousins, we may never get to your, or we may not get to your origin story with your deck today, but I feel like, um, I feel like that's right because we're talking about some really beautiful things and I think, um, you will come back. So I'm not afraid, um, I'm not afraid to not cover that <laughs> if we don't get well, to it. Well, I think at some point it would be really cool for like me, you, Mystical, Mystical Mandrake Root, like, oh. and like maybe a few other people to have like a like a view episode one time oh. where it's like us. We have to. Oh my god, that would be like a dream. Yeah, it really would be. We, I would love to. I've been thinking about doing. Um, I know you're literally in Hawaii, but I've been thinking about doing like over the next year or two, some live panels where it's like exactly as you just said, like um, me and maybe two to three people um, like hanging out, talking about tarot, you know? I'm, I'm into it. Keep me in mind for that. Of course you are. You're, you're first in line, my friend. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know that we're going to get to your origin story with your deck. A, because you've provided the most juicy, beautiful info 
on earth. And I know that people are probably losing their minds, but two, because I want to talk about cosmic cousins because it's amazing. And everyone, I think everybody who listens to this knows about it because I've spoken about it. I feel like ad nauseum many times. It's just such a beautiful show. Um, such a beautiful podcast. I would love for you to talk about your journey in creating that. And you have wanted to make, make a podcast for so long. And, um, it, you know, she's here, like, you know, the podcast is birthed and it's beautiful. And yeah, what has your journey been with creating it? And why did you create Cosmic Cousins? Hmm. Yeah, so Cosmic Cousins came out of a time, like, I found myself being more drawn to astrology, and it's it's been a vocabulary for me that has brought a lot of inspiration and connection with others. And so, um, yeah, I was, I'm, when I'm, like, brought, you know, like, it's, I really like to think about, um, the audience in which I'm delivering the information to. And so, um, for me, I like picture, like if I had access to like your podcast or like my podcast when I was younger, it would be so transformative for me. So Mm -hmm. I am really drawn to just like reaching out to people who are in rural areas and who may not have the money to spend on getting a reading. And so it feels so cool to have an offering that is just from my heart and I'm, I'm putting my everything into it. I think that astrology is another powerful tool that we can utilize. And for me, it's like a stepping stone to reaching God or to reaching uh, a higher Mm -hmm. consciousness. You can think like the planets move in these big orbits and like the orbit really is a circle which represents like unity or represents God consciousness. And so when we tune into like, for instance, it's Aquarius season right now. So we can tune into Uranus, which is the ruling planet of Aquarius. And if we just meditate on that planet, um, it takes us outside of ourselves, and it allows us to uh, touch base and to expand to the frequency of a planet that's moving in this huge orbit. So it's not quite reaching uh, source or God or higher consciousness or whatever your your vocabulary is for that, but it is a stepping stone to reaching that. And what I find is when I tune into these different planets and these different archetypes that they're moving through, it awakens within me um, – so much flavor and color and uh, opportunity to view my world, my reality, my purpose here on this plane in such a different light. And so in a way it feels like an expansion off of tarot, whereas tarot feels like it's very visual and it's like it's in your hand and it's very, even though it is like third eye activating, it is in this earth realm. It's like I have it. It's in my hand. I don't, you know, I right. can't have a planet in my hand. So it's an expansion and it's, it's a new, 
I see it as like a new upgraded vocabulary. The calendar that we live by is very linear and very, very masculine and patriarchal and uh, very young energy. And astrology is way more. It's uh, moving in circles and cycles. And like we can be like, oh, Pluto's in Capricorn. The last time Pluto was in Capricorn was the American Revolution. Holy shit. Like we're moving in cycles and it's not just this planet, but it's all the planets. And so um, it's really exciting for me because it's like all these spirals that like never end. And uh, mm. so um, and we're also discovering new planets like even like this year you know so there's it's just like feels like a way for you to um keep growing and learning and asking and you know changing and the the current transits right now inspired my trash canyon project which is a year of no waste um Mm -hmm. so like saturn is in capricorn which is asking us to commit to uh to be more sustainable towards new structures and Pluto is asking us to transform our relationship to that as well. And Scorpio, uh, Jupiter's in Scorpio, which is asking us to dig into the darkness, which for me is the trash at this point. It's stuff that we don't talk about. We just hide it away. And that was me for, for a really long time. And so astrology has been a tool for me to, you know, uh, awaken a new purpose in my life. And so I'm right now the project I'm working on is uh, a documentary that is exploring our psycho-spiritual connection to waste. And um, I'm excited to get into it and to have a project that is also um, not esoteric, but it is. All is. It's, it is and yeah. it isn't at the same time. Oh, God. I just love you. <laughs> like amazing. And, you know, I actually am going to dovetail this into, you know, a small part of your, of your journey. Cause you mentioned on this podcast, like you grew up in the rural South as a gay man, you know, as a gay boy. And how did you find tarot and how did that provide in, like, what was that? What did it mean to you? when you were growing up? Well, for, for starters, the internet is a big reason why I found it. And I think that it's cool because the internet is like one of our greatest tools for expanding our consciousness at this point. Totally. Because uh, it's allowing us to be introduced to new concepts and new ideas that we wouldn't normally, like if you're living like in Mechanicsville, Virginia, you're not going to like learn about the tarot. So anyway, um, I use the internet to chat with boys to go in like chat rooms and like maybe like send some dick pics, you know, whatever. And Totes. so <laughs> I um, met this really cute boy that lived in Virginia Beach and I drove I was like 16 I drove to go and visit him and I spent the night with him and I probably told my parents I was like spending the night at my friend Susie's house which she was always like she was like my undercover like you know she'd always cover for me whatever and so but his this person's no longer in my life so but his mother was a tarot reader mm-hmm. and she I just remember like um her at the kitchen table like 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 shuffling her cards and like it was literally like I was like I don't care about this boy anymore and I was like so zoned in on her and I like asked her so many questions and uh the next weekend when I was back in in Richmond Virginia I went to this shop downtown Carytown. it's super cute if you've never been to Richmond it's like called one-eyed one-eyed jacks or something it's like this game shop but they had tarot decks and i i just picked up my first deck it was just like i knew in that moment and so 
Um, I, I started with Aleister Crowley's Stoth Tarot, and then when I moved to New York, I switched to uh, the Smith Centennial because the, the, the writer weight was made in, in Brooklyn, and I wanted to work with uh, that deck while in Brooklyn. But uh, yeah, that, that was the origin. It happened through um, kind of like a blind date that led into a sleepover that led to his mother uh, as a tarot reader. It's incredible. And I love, um, I feel like it's the shared Virgo in both of us. Um, Mm -hmm. maybe like your Virgo moon, my Virgo rising. Um, cause you have Virgo moon, don't you? You're Aquarius rising. I do. I do. Yeah. Um, I also started this podcast, um, for many reasons, but one of them was like as an, as an offering, like as tithing, because, um, it's so important. Like I wouldn't be here alive without Tara Brock's podcast. And that mm. wasn't even when I was a teenager, that was like in my twenties. So right. the fact that I can't even imagine how many people you are teaching, shifting, offering such a healing to through cosmic cousins, it's such a beautiful, um, such a beautiful extension of your heart. And I love the spirit that you've Mm. created it and it's gorgeous. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So I think I don't want it to be time, but it it is getting there. And I wondered if you um, wanted to talk a little bit about, so um, this is something that I am so just, you blow my mind every single day. I I would love for you to talk a little bit about um, you mentioned it, but I, you know, I'd love for you to speak a little bit more about your year of no waste. So you are going so deep into things that I have never even thought of before. Every day, Jeff posts either a video, a photo, almost every day of something that exploring, you know, the process that it takes to actually recycle a battery or the process that it takes to biodegrade a certain kind of paper and the research that you've put into every item. Um, it's so fucking inspiring. And I would love for you to talk to people about it. Sure. Um, I think for starters, it's important to just like note that I literally know nothing about trash. I know nothing about recycling. Like this is but you're learning. all very new for me. But you're learning, learning as you're it. going, which is so exciting, you know? Yeah, right. And so it's it feels like the fool's energy for me again, like the same when I started like the Brooklyn Fools. It's just like, and I think it's like that knowing nothing is like important to note because it's like, if I can learn this stuff, so can you, and we can make these like small, simple adjustments to our life. So, um, so yeah, I do, I know nothing about trash, but I do know that in my 30 years of life, I've made enough waste to fill an entire dumpster that my relationship to waste, like I've just throw shit away. Like I've Mm -hmm. always like, I loved always like clearing stuff out and just the time I lived in New York city, I had like maybe like seven apartments in the eight years that I lived there. And like, I just know like, and I've also read that the average American produces 4.5 pounds of trash a day. So I think that this has always been kind of like something that's been on my mind and on my heart. And I think maybe being a dog walker in New York for a bit, like I saw all the like mounds of trash everywhere. And so I, looking back on it now, I, I, 
I realized I moved to the big island of Hawaii to seek a more simple way of life. And, um, but what I found is, and it's really fascinating, is that there's no running away from this issue. It's not like a city versus a rural thing. There's trash everywhere, and actually the relationship to waste in Hawaii might even be more devastating. We see that there's abandoned cars just on the side of the road because there's nowhere to go, and people don't have funds to ship them to Oahu, which is another island where the cars go to. And there's just like there's some beaches where there's just like plastic floating around. And so, mm. and I think being on an island has actually made it a little bit more stark of a reality to me because it's like, well, we're in the middle of the Pacific, and there ain't no where this trash is going we don't have anywhere to put it so um it's just interesting now i work as a trash man at this yoga retreat center and so i see firsthand the amount of waste that's created every day even in a community that's very conscious mm-hmm. and so that's it, it it's like coming out of uh, uh, an interest in being like is recycling actually real or was it created by big corporations to kind of pacify the masses to make them feel okay with the amount of damage that they're creating to this earth. And so I'm really wanting to get investigative with it because right now, for instance, like I take all of the trash and the recycling to the fill station, uh, in Pahoa, which is like maybe 20 minutes away from where I live. And on their website, it says, uh, only, contained glass can be recycled like no broken glass allowed and when people dump their glass into this dumpster all of the glass shatters so i'm like okay what's actually happening to it if you say that it has to be like completely Mm -hmm. like so i'm i'm asking a lot of questions and i'm wanting to get into it and so i'm I have all kinds of projects. So All Cars Go to Heaven is the name of the initiative that i'm starting for love it for creating resources to take care of the abandoned car situation. So that's just one of many other ones, but I'm also committing to a year of no waste. So any waste that I make goes into this Mason jar that I found at the dump. And so I'm just wanting to kind of like, uh, report on all of my findings as I go along. So I'm launching a Kickstarter on the full moon in Leo uh, to raise money and funds for this project. Another vision I have is I'm going to go back to my roots in Virginia for a month this summer and work at the Putt-Putt Fun Center that my family runs there and try to convince them to go to compostable products and see if I can convince them to go waste-free in their own life. And so I'm wanting to kind of like bring it back into um, other parts of this country and then I'll probably come to New York too. And I was talking to to Lisa, the founder of Maha Rose, about doing a retreat, a waste-free retreat sometime in August, uh, where I'll also be teaching about astrology and tarot and the chakra system, but doing it through a lens that is conscious of our relationship to the earth. So all of that, it's a, it's a, it's a big year for me, and I'm excited about all of it. Oh, my God. So cool. I also am so excited you're going to be here this summer. Like, We'll be all up on that. Um, that's that's the plan. If I can raise money on my Kickstarter, then I'll do it. Because otherwise, I'm working as a volunteer trash man right now, and I'm not making any money. And I, yeah. the podcast that I'm producing is also, uh, we could say it's a volunteer service as well. So uh, the income isn't really happening right now. But um, I, do, I do offer astrology readings too. So that's part of why the Kickstarter is there, so I can <laughs> afford to, to tell this story. So beautiful. And, you know, even though this, um, this episode will be up before the full moon in Leo, um, whatever, um, episode comes out around that time, I think it will be 
The full moon in Leo is the one around the first, right? Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's January 31st. Okay. Uh, that will be the monthly medicine episode of this podcast and yeah, next week. So I'll make an announcement because everyone will be familiar with you. Um, uh, it's thank you so much for doing that. Of course. I mean, what you're talking about, I think is so it's the most important conversation we could be having and is very powerful because I would never have thought about that with regard to Hawaii and the um, energy of it being an island. Where can these things go? Of course, you know, um, and looking into the deeper mechanisms of recycling, it's very, very powerful um, and deserves all the support it can get. So thank you for doing that. It's beautiful. Um, anything else to share? Um, not really. I'm just really happy to be on the show with you and to connect with you. And, um, I guess happy Aquarius season to Uh, to you all. Yeah. Happy Aquarius season to you. Jeff is an Aquarius. Um, how are you feeling now that the sun has shifted into Aquarius? Um, I definitely, I, you know, I've always loved that I'm an Aquarius. So Aquarius season, I have, it's a mixed bag for me. It, it, it's usually like the coldest time of the year. And mm-hmm. so, but this year being in Hawaii, it's kind of cool that it's still, it's still pretty warm out, but it is the rainy season. Mm. Hopefully you get like a really sweet rainbow on your birthday, even though they happen there like every day, I think. Right. Mm, not as much as I was expecting actually, but You'll see them every now and then. That's great. I love it. Well, Jeff, I love you so much. This was such a gift to have you. You've dropped so much wisdom in this episode. It's like we can all go home now. (laughs) It's so powerful. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you so much for bringing... um, you know, a fraction, but a universe of your amazing knowledge. I, I cannot wait to have you back on again. And it's been so good to talk to you. Thank you so much, Lindsay. I love you. You're welcome. I love you too. 